Well, t- today, we, as we finish our, our series on fighting the enemy, on, on the enemy, and today it's fighting the defeated enemy. You know, I, I, you know it, uh, we have a number of enemies all around us. And one illustration of an enemy that we you know, are facing today in a way that, that might bring the same kind of emotion when we think about the enemy, the, the devil, uh, the, the evil one, uh, Satan, is the enemy of Ebola. Right? I mean, just found that one of the health workers in Texas has the symptoms or has the, been, has contracted the disease. And we, you know, we, we sit with this enemy. We know it's there. We can't see it. We, we know we're, we're against it. it. It brings that, even the different emotional responses that we face as we hear about this particular um, disease brings the same kind of questions when we, we fight the enemy who faces us in our lives, in our, the whole of our lives, as we walk with Christ. 1 Peter 5.8 says it boldly and, and frankly that our enemy is like a, a lion. Discipline yourselves. Keep alert. Like a roaring lion, your adversary, the devil, prowls around looking for someone to devour. You know, as as we, we, we think about you know, Ebola and how do you contract this disease, well, the only thing that can do is kill you. you know? that, that's, that's, that's really not the worst thing. Right? The only thing that can do is just kill your body. Well, if you're following of Jesus, that means you see him face to face. Uh, after that's over. But this enemy can destroy our soul. And he's prowling around like a roaring lion ready to attack. So how then do we fight this defeated? We've talked about this. We know that this enemy's defeated. We know he's been defeated at the cross. But how do we fight him in this life? Even though he's at work in guerrilla warfare trying to take out all that he can knowing the war is lost but trying to Maximize the casualties. How do we then fight this defeated enemy? Well, Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 6, uh, starting with verse 10. So I'm found on page 952 in your pew Bible if you want to turn there or you can follow along on the screen. Let's pray together. Gracious God, uh, we, we thank you that indeed you are victorious. Uh, we know that, that you are our mighty fortress, that you go before us, you go behind us, uh, that the, the, the angel, the armies of heaven, the heavenly host, you know, surround us in you. And so we, we long to, to live into the fullness of your power at work in us. We want to follow Jesus in every way of our life. So speak to us. Help us. Guide us in this, in this time. As, as we look at the ways that you're calling us to join in this battle, to wrestle. Speak to each one of us individually in the ways that, that we need to put on your armor. And speak to us together as a community of faith. How we need to put on your armor and 
enter into the battle. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Ephesians chapter 6 starting with verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His power. Put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For our struggle is not against enemies of blood and flesh, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God so that you may be able to withstand on that evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Alright, so, so first, before we get into specifics of the army, of the uh, armor, we have to see this, this passage. And the key point here is that what we've been singing is absolutely necessary for our foundation. This is not about you and me, you know, lifting weights. This is not about you and me gathering enough power of our soul. This is about us resting in the power of Christ. Be strong in the Lord, verse 10 says. And in the strength of His power, put on the whole armor of God. I mean, in this battle, it is a constant reliance upon the power of Jesus in our soul. It is is His victory where He willingly suffered, where He willingly died in in the most beautiful expression of sacrificial love in order to secure our salvation. He is the one who has conquered sin and death. He has conquered selfishness. He has conquered our own brokenness. He has conquered even the winds and the waves. And so we run to Him at all times. It is the power of the cross and the power of the resurrection that then flows through us. And that this armor gains its power from Him. So that is crucial. And then, as he and you see here, it's just, it's clear this battle is in a spiritual realm. You know, it's the the powers of this present darkness, the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. You know, this is this is not just a human problem, but a spiritual problem beyond what we can see and feel. So here he then gives us the armor. He's going to give us six pieces of armor. And now the armor is a spiritual metaphor. It's a symbolism, right, of a spiritual reality. But what exactly it means in each of our lives and our lives together, well, that's, that's open for how the Spirit will guide us. How the Spirit will say, well, this is where you're, you put on this piece of armor, but this piece of armor, it's way in the back of your closet. You, know, you, you haven't put this armor on since you were a teenager. So it doesn't fit anymore. So you better get you a, a new piece. You know, so so my, my real hope for each of us as we're listening through this is that we're going to be hearing from the Spirit, you know, this is the chink in my armor. This is my Achilles heel. This, this is the place where I haven't put on uh, the armor of God. And, and what, what I've done is we'll go, as we go through these pieces of armor... 
I've, I've looked for other passages in the New Testament where the writers speak to how the evil one is particularly at work in humans, where there are particular weaknesses in our, our common makeup and that, that are, can be the place where the evil one will attack us and why that particular piece of armor speaks to that particular weakness. Because this, this armor, it's, it's, it's both, it's protective as we, with, as we try to uh, um, withstand the attack of the enemy, but it's also protective as we walk into the battle. As we join in the battle, as we continue to live into the power of Christ and fulfill the work of the gospel, upholding the, the, the truth and life of his kingdom, that, that this armor protects us as we are on the offensive as well. So let, let us uh, listen uh, spiritually to this, this armor. So I'll read through the whole and then come, come back to them. All right, verse 14. Stand therefore and fasten the belt of truth around your waist and put on the breastplate of righteousness. As shoes for your feet, put on whatever will make you ready to proclaim the gospel of peace. With all of these, take the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times, in every prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert and always persevere in supplication for all the saints. This is the Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, so the first piece of the armor is the belt of truth. Now, the the passage that comes to mind is I I thought about that passage and how it applies in our lives. And you'll see what I've really sensed here is how it applies in our lives, in how we act, in who we are. Not just a, a, a thought or an idea, but what that means for us. So John chapter 8, verse 44, Jesus is talking about um, our enemy. He says, you are, from the fa- you are from your father the devil, and you choose to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks according to his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So we put on the belt of truth because our enemy is the father of lies. So what does that mean? How do we put that belt of truth on? It means we rigorously pursue honesty in every word that we say. The weakness in our own lives comes when we lie. That gives an opening for the evil one to enter into our lives. He's the father of lies. He's the expert of lies. And we're fools when we don't, honest, we don't rigorously pursue honesty in every part of our lives. So the, breast, or the, the, the belt of truth means we rigorously pursue honesty. Because anything that's dishonest gives our enemy an entree into our lives and the lives of those that are around us. Next, the breastplate of righteousness. James chapter 4, 7 and 8. 
James chapter 4, we got chapter 4, 7, okay, oh, there we go, thank you. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Submit your ways to the ways of God. Resist the temptations of the evil one. Cleanse your hands. Do what is right. Put on the breastplate of righteousness because that that protects the the, the things within us in the first century, especially the, the seat of your will and your emotions where your heart and your guts. And so first century hearers would have heard that breastplate as one that protected your your heart and your guts. It would protect the place where your emotions reside, where your decisions are made. And what how we put on the breastplate of righteousness means we pursue righteousness. We pursue obedience to God in everything that we do and say and think. And that's a pretty broad statement. But we put on the breastplate of righteousness. For each one of us, there are ways that the, the temptations of the evil one are pulling us away from the righteousness of God. And we put this on because we know that gives, again, a, a, a hook for the evil one in our lives, in our own disobedience. And, and we do what we need in order to, to grow in obedience. We, we spend our time in God's Word, in God's community, in order to help us to live in obedience because that is putting on the breastplate of righteousness, the armor of God to protect us from the enemy. The next piece of the armor of God are the shoes of the gospel of peace. Hear this word from two passages for the shoes of the gospel of peace. The first one is Ephesians 4, 26 and 27. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not make room for the devil. See, clear there, Paul's saying, listen, if anger rules you, if anger rules you instead of peace, then you're giving a room, you're giving a place for the devil. If you let that anger fester within you, you feed that anger, then you are giving room for the enemy to destroy you and to destroy others, to to go against the work of the kingdom. It's It's a place where the devil resides, is in anger, bitterness, division, especially if we fester it. I mean, here, don't let the sun go down on it. You know, you were going to get angry, but how do we respond? How do we deal with that anger? How do we deal with those differences that we have with one another? Now, uh, 2 Timothy, chapter 2, verse 24 and 26. Here again, the same thing, and not only against anger, but what we're to pursue. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kindly to everyone, an apt teacher, patient, correcting opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant that they will repent and come to know the truth and that they may escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. What we pursue as we put on the shoes of the gospel of peace is we pursue gentleness. We we pursue mercy. We pursue forgiveness. We pursue patience. 
I love Paul's word to Timothy here where he says, if you're going to be sharing the gospel of peace, do it in a way that is peaceful. If you're going to share the gospel of love and grace, then do it in a way that's filled with grace and love and mercy. Because it's through the kindness of God that we're led to repentance. So the shoes of the gospel of peace mean that we pursue gentleness in our demeanor with others as we are proclaiming in word and deed the good news of Jesus. Evangelism and gentleness go hand in hand in the words of Paul. And if if we're motivated out of frustration, motivated out of... um, uh, anger, uh, we're, we're motivated out of, out of division or, or bitterness, then that's the evil one. Gives the evil one an entree into our witness about the gospel, the good news of Jesus. All right, the fourth, the fourth then piece of the armor is the shield of faith. Now, the passage that that hit me from this is is Revelation 2, verse 10. And it it hits. This passage hits really hard. Do not fear what you're about to suffer. Beware, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison so that you may be tested. And for ten days you will have affliction. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. Now, friends, in, in the first century, this wasn't a metaphorical statement. I mean, they faced death, literally, and imprisonment, literally, for the faith. So we take this shield of faith, this this shield of faith that protects us, as Paul says, from the fiery darts of the evil one. Friends, fiery darts hurt. But I I think Paul is saying here is we we take up the shield of faith because we want to pursue trust. We want to pursue dependence, reliance upon God. We want to live by faith and not by sight because the enemy will do different things to us to cause pain and suffering in real ways in order to put some kind of wedge between us and God. And it's when things are going well that we've got to be deepening developing that faith and that trust. It's why we gather regularly to celebrate God. It's why we gather around His Word. It's why we need community. Why we need one another. Because we we need those roots of faith in our lives as we face pain and suffering, disease and death. The next piece, then, is the helmet of salvation. Now, the helmet of salvation means, when we put that on, we pursue humility. Now, hang with me. This one may not be quite as, well, how did you get from the helmet of salvation to humility? Ah, glad you asked. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 6. This is Paul talking to folks that are going to be officers in the church. So this has a number of meanings here. 
applications for us. He must not be a recent convert or he may be puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. See? Arrogance, pride, conceit. Another weakness that the evil one will use to push into our lives. Real important as, as we have officers uh, come, being elected to the church, deacons and elders and others um, at the congregational meeting after the service, to know that as you're, you're elected to that position, it is, there is no officers club that you now have the rights to go into. Matter of fact, what, what you are called to is a Christian leader, a leader that follows after the way of Jesus. The leader that follows after the Jesus is the one who is the best servant. There is no privilege here except the privilege and honor of serving God in His eternal community. How does the helmet of salvation, how does that then get coupled with humility? Well, that's because if you know, if you know that you've been saved, then humility is a natural response. If you know that you are a sinner, that you are broken, that you are lost, that you are deserving of God's wrath and judgment, but yet in God's grace you have reserved his, you have received His sacrificial love, then humility is the natural response. If you know that it is not because you, you made good decisions, it is not because you bring something to the table. And it's not because, well, I'll make some bad decisions here and there along the way. That, that's, that is not what the gospel of Jesus Christ is about. It is about me and you being broken, sinners, selfish in our natural tendencies, desiring to serve myself and not others. And God has reached down in His sacrificial love through Christ and saved you and me from God's wrath and judgment and our own uh, ignorance. And made us one with Him. If that is the truth, if we put on the helmet of salvation, then, then you know that we don't bring anything deserving to God. As Paul said in another writing, it's not by works that we're saved so that no one can boast. The helmet of salvation then creates in us a humility uh, that is healthy and full and fruitful. That I don't deserve to be here in the name of Christ. If that's the case, it's what God has given me, then I know all is gift. All is gift. All is gift. And that's the helmet of salvation that protects us from our own conceit as we pursue humility. And then finally, the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God means that we pursue living in a daily relationship with the Spirit within us so that we might pursue a godly wisdom in life. Not a worldly wisdom, but a godly wisdom. James chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. Who is wise and understanding among you? Show by your good life that your works are done with gentleness born of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not be boastful and false to the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, devilish. 
For where there is envy and selfish ambition, there will be disorder and wickedness of every kind. You see, that, that, that selfishness, that selfish ambition, that, that sword of the world that says, unless you go get it, you're not going to get it. That sword of the world that says, you know, there's only so much in this pie and I've got to use this sword and get my piece of the pie. That's the wisdom of this world. But the wisdom of God, the, the sword of the Spirit who is alive within us. Not, and it's not just the, the Word of God here is not just the Bible because the enemy uses the Bible. The enemy knows the Bible better than we do. The enemy just doesn't want to do it. Doesn't want to use it to, to help you and I, to help anyone grow in maturity in Christ. So it, it is the presence of the Spirit who then applies His written Word and His living Word into our lives so that we live according to the godly wisdom, the, the, the ways of heaven while on earth, where we don't live according to the ways of this world of selfish ambition, of envy, of trying to get all that we can and accomplish all that we can. The sword of this world leads to, to violence. Achieving at the expense of others. But the sword of the Spirit, the wisdom from above, leads to a way of life that is characterized by gentleness and purity, mercy and peace. I know, that's a lot. Let, let, me, let me summarize this, just to bring them um, all back, just looking again at the, the armor and the application. And as we look at these, again, I go back to the initial question. Where's the, the one for you? That when we looked at that, you said, you know, that, that's where I'm giving room for the evil one to work in my life. You know, the belt of truth leads to honesty. You know, did the Lord bring to your mind a way that you're, you know, that you're living a lie? Or that, that you so quickly go to lies to get yourself out of trouble? The breastplate of righteousness leads to obedience. An awareness that, that we have choices to make every moment of every day to obey the ways of God. And have you succumbed to the temptation of the evil one in some way? And you need to put on that breastplate of righteousness. Shoes of readiness for the gospel of peace means we pursue gentleness. Did that one catch you? Do you see gentleness as weakness instead of a, a way of strength of Jesus? Right? Do, you, do you see that maybe you're motivated a lot, you're quick to anger, whereas God is slow to anger? Now, is that giving room for the evil one to enter? Then the shield of faith, you know, to pursue trust in God. You know, you're finding ways that, that you're losing trust, you're losing faith in the ways of God. The helmet of salvation that leads to humility. It says, no, that, that I am saved because of God's work in me, not anything that I bring to the table. Do, do you recognize within you, is the Lord bringing before you an arrogance or a pride or a, a sense in which you compare yourself to others 
not, that's not putting on the helmet of salvation. And finally, the sword of the Spirit. The, the, the way that God is at work in you to live according to the ways of heaven. Where the last are first and the first are last. Did you realize, you know, there are ways that maybe you've bought into the wisdom of this world instead of the wisdom of heaven? Now, we're um, about to sing a song together and have the dancers help us to sing this song together. And as we, as we sing this, you know, let's, let's uh, join with them, not just in word, but let's, let's put down our weapons that we, we surrender to God in, in victory. We, we, we take up God's armor that will lead us to God's victory. And before we do that, I, just, I want us to say together Ephesians um, chapter 6, verse 13, one that we read um, together, which was a part of our passage of, of knowing the uh, um, armor of God and taking, um, standing firm in that armor of God. Let's, let's say this together. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God so that you may be able to withstand on that evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Put down your weapons of this world. Take up the armor of God so that God will lead us into God's victory.